to worship at Northminster Church. As you can tell, I am not our pastor, Jillian <laughs> Please keep Jillian in your thoughts and in your prayers. As most of you know, she is in her last trimester of pregnancy and she is incredibly ill this morning and had to go home. So I am um, going to try to make it through her sermon this morning and we're going to just fill in the gaps as we go along. Um, first thing, I'd like to remind everyone that um, our regulars that are here every week, and if you're a visitor here with us this week, there is um, a little booklet on the inside aisle of each row where we have our attendance registers. If you would please fill that out so we do have a record of your attendance with us. As, Ju as Jillian always says, we, we are not going to hunt you down. We're not going to be knocking on your door. We'd just like for you to have an opportunity to share your information with us. I would also like to direct you to the announcements that are inside the order of worship. A couple of things that I would like to point out is that our 
January mission emphasis is for the Washita Parish Animal Shelter. You can see the items that they're requesting in that. Um, we do want to remember that we do have a group that's going to be visiting our sister church in Cuba at the end of this month. Let's keep them in mind, and we also have a list of items that we're collecting for our friends in Cuba. Regarding the, the video that is scheduled to be shown this evening at 6, since the weather has not started yet, we're not making an announcement to make any changes in that thus far. But if you would keep an eye on your social media this afternoon, I'm sure it will be announced on the Northminster page and on the Neela Pride page if we do need to make some arrangements to schedule that at another time. Okay, I am going to, particularly since I need this this morning, I want to do something that Jillian does every week. Let's take a moment, let's take a deep breath and inhale, and then exhale and be thankful that we're able to be here to worship together this morning. And if you would, please join us in our call to worship. Like Joseph and Mary, we want to protect the child Jesus. And when something unexpected happens, we are frightened. Lord, in this day, Help us to remember that God is ever with us.
<laughs> Surprise, I'm not Pastor Jillian. Okay, who is going to school tomorrow? Okay, and even before all the ice and snow, you are going to be off school tomorrow. Do you know why? Who's, whose birthday are we celebrating? Who? Martin Luther King Jr. Very good. Have any of you talked about him in school this week? You have? You have? Well, I have a book that Pastor Jillian asked for me to show you and read to you that is about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and it's written by someone very special. Now, the first thing you need to know about her is that she is his only granddaughter, and her name is Yolanda Renee King. And she had some help with an illustrator. Her name was Nicole Tagdell. The other thing that's really cool about her is she's a kid. She's 15 years old when she wrote this book. Isn't that really cool? 15. So you can imagine that she, even though she didn't know her grandfather, she grew up with so many stories about him and the work that he did. So let's see what she wrote for us, okay? And these pictures are so pretty. Okay, granddaddy and grandma, you had a dream we would, would be judged by what's in our hearts, not by the color of our skin. There they are, that's her grandparents. You were gone before I came into this world, but that dream and so many others lives deep inside me. Everything you believe still shines like the brightest sunrise on a golden horizon. And that's her. Many ask me, do you plan to follow in Dr. King and Coretta Scott King's footsteps? How will you ever fill their shoes? Do you have what it takes to walk their path? I hold fast to all that you stood for. Peace, togetherness, harmony, love. Granddaddy and Grandma, thanks to your wisdom and determination, I now have my own footsteps, my own journey my own dreams for our world. And so while I follow your example, I'm also ready to lead. I'm ready to walk the uncertain road from today to tomorrow. I'm ready to keep my eyes on the prize that you set out before us with the power of your vision. I am ready. We're going to skip a little because it's a little bit long. Granddaddy, you told us that love is the key. Grandma, you taught us when the heart is right, the mind and body will follow. These words, these keys to our hearts, open the door to all that is possible. The kids. We dream of a world where school is a safe place, free of fear. No violence is spoken here. We dream of a world where guns are not games. Shoot for the stars, not each other. We dream a world where poverty is a memory, liberty, justice, and food for all. We dream a world where the only walls are those that hold safe spaces and have windows and mirrors that reflect our unity. We dream a world where bullies turn their backs on being mean. Let kindness begin with me. We dream a world where sickness can be driven out by the healing power of hope. 
Love is the cure. We dream a world where every child can go to college. Education fuels our nation. Reading is believing. Pretty. We are ready to take the torch you lit before we were born. We are ready to grip that glistening baton, to hold faith by the hand, to pass it on. We are ready to reach, to rise, to sparkle like stars in a bold blue sky. Our time has come to bring our twinkle, letting everyone know. Spread the word, have you heard? All across the nation, we are going to be a great generation. I think she's talking to you. From today to tomorrow, we dream a world. Do you think she's talking to you guys? I think she is. I think she's saying that you kids are the next generation to make our world a better place, right? Oh, I think you are. You're already already doing it just a little bit every day, okay? Okay, let's... Well, he, he died about 60 years ago. It's been quite a while, but we still remember his birthday because of the civil rights that he pushed for and fought for, right? Okay, let's turn around and say our prayer. All right. We've got a lot of you this morning, so I know you can talk nice and loud so that all the grown-ups can hear you. Are you ready? I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. Thanks, guys.
A reading from Psalm 36. Your love, O Eternal One, towers high into the heavens. Even the skies are lower than your faithful, faithfulness. Your justice is like the majestic mountains. Your judgments are as deep as the oceans, and yet, in your greatness, you offer life for every person and animal. Your strong love, O true God, is precious. All people run for shelter under the shadow of your wings. In your house, they eat and are full at your table. You have the fountain of life that quenches our thirst. Your light has opened our eyes and awakened our souls. May your love continue to grow deeply in the lives of all who know you. May your salvation reach every heart committed to do right. The psalmist speaks. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Your love, O oh God, is as immeasurable as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches higher than the clouds in the sky. Your justice is like the majestic mountains, firm and unshakable. And your judgments are as deep as the ocean depths. And yet, in your greatness, you care for all of creation, people and animals alike. How precious is your unfailing love, O oh God. All humanity rests in your presence. We eat and are satisfied at your table. We drink from the river of your overflowing kindness. For you alone can quench our thirst. You alone can open our eyes and awaken our souls. May your love continue to grow deeply in the lives of all who know you. May your salvation come to all who follow in your paths. Amen. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Look carefully at your call, brothers and sisters. By human standards, not many of you are deemed to be wise. Not many are considered powerful. Not many of you come from royalty, right? But celebrate this, God celebrated the world's foolish to bring shame upon those who think they are wise. The eternal selected the world's weak to bring disgrace upon those who think they are strong. God selected the common and the cast off, whatever lacks status, so God can invalidate the claims of those who think those things are of significance. So it makes no sense for any person to boast in God's presence. Instead, credit God with your new situation. You are united with Jesus, the anointed. He is God of wisdom for us and more. He is our righteousness and holiness and redemption. As the scripture says, if someone wants to boast, they should boast in the Lord. Powerful words about what God values. Thanks be to God. Um. 
Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. important we had that because it was crucial to the sermon this morning. Thank you very much. The title of Jillian's sermon today is The Twelve-Year-Old in All of Us. I'd like for us to begin this morning by having you think back to when you were 12 years old. You'd likely have been in the sixth or seventh grade, likely growing like a weed, and just about to make the transition from childhood to teenager. Is that an age you'd be willing to relive? If you're a parent, think back to when your children were 12. Was that a challenging age to be a parent? 
I ask because I believe it was around this age that my mother said she would have happily given me away to the circus <laughs> for free. Our 12th year of life is one of incredible brain development. It's around this age the ability to detect sarcasm develops. It's also around this age that social structures get trickier to navigate. At 12, kids are ready to hold and manipulate complex ideas in their minds and they begin to use language functionally for the first time. This means they can adjust their word choices and level of sophistication to suit their context, all the while discovering a greater desire for privacy and independence from their parents. Around the age of 12, tremendous brain growth happens in both the white and gray matter of the brain, which is some of the biggest brain development to take place at any point in the human lifespan. And yet with all of this development, all the expansions and communication abilities in critical thinking 12-year-olds, whether male or female, are also going through puberty, which makes being 12 hard. This is why I suspect most of us wouldn't choose to be 12 or parent a 12-year-old again. But at least a kid of 12 can blame puberty and brain development for their poor communication skills and occasional mood swings. What can those of us who are old and therefore supposed to know better blame? <laughs> a quick Amazon search proves that 12-year-olds aren't the only ones who struggle with communication as thousands of books are available about communication in every possible situation. From the simple and straightforward, the art of, commu of communication, to the relationship-based, love is a verb, 30 days to improving your relationship to something for us introverts. Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. To one for the pet owner trying to know their animal better. The language of miracles, a celebrated psychic teaches you to talk to animals. <laughs> Silly or not, these books beg an important question. Why do we struggle so much to communicate? To tell each other how we're feeling without feeling ashamed if we're struggling. To share thoughts and opinions that differ without tuning each other out. In the face of a new year that is to be better than the last one, can we be people who are willing to lead with kindness and empathy? Because we're all guilty of saying hurtful things out of anger or stress or because we're not thinking. We get busy and can be thoughtless of the needs of those around us. 2020 certainly made it easier for us to be short-sighted, thinking only of ourselves and the needs of our families. And there are times in which all of us simply don't think, don't communicate, don't consult others. We just do. This is exactly how Jesus acts in this morning's story from Luke. Following directly on the heels of the Nativity story, these are the only verses in any of the Gospels that tell us about Jesus as a kid. I love this story in part because Mary is considered important enough by Luke to be one of the two people who speak, despite the presence of so many men. But mostly I love this story because Jesus is so completely 12 years old here. I love stories that remind us of Jesus' humanity because they make him more relatable. 
Luke specifically uses Jesus' age in this passage not only to be precise with his timeline, but also because this is an important age. As commentator Kyle Schiffelbein Guerrero ex explains, at this age, Jesus is still considered a child since he is not expected to fully embrace his ancestral traditions. That would happen when he turned 13. So this story serves as a bridge between the infancy narrative and Jesus' upcoming ministry, which will start with his encounter with John at the Jordan River. We should also be mindful that for Luke, the number 12 is important as a continuation of God's revelation. The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles, replacing Judas to remain 12 apostles. To, to maintain 12 apostles. Luke tells us Jesus and his family have been in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And while all male Jews within a 20 mile radius were required to be in Jerusalem, neither women nor children were obligated to do so. That means Luke's words about Jesus traveling with his parents not only emphasizes the family nature of this annual trip, but also their piety and faithfulness. After the Passover celebration, Mary and Joseph begin the trip home, only to discover Jesus is not with them. Some commentators question how Mary and Jesus could leave Jesus behind. Mary and Joseph could leave Jesus behind, saying they were careless or even negligent. Other commentators point out that families usually traveled in caravans, sharing childcare responsibilities. Both points have merit. But what's more important is that Luke doesn't make much issue of the incident. From what we can read in the text, there's nothing particularly extraordinary about Mary and Joseph traveling a whole day without knowing where Jesus was. The real focus in Luke's story is the contrast between Mary and Joseph's obvious fear and anxiety and Jesus's apparent lack of concern. When they find him in the temple, Mary says to Jesus, Son, why have you treated this way? Listen, your father and I have been sick with worry for the last three days, wondering where you were, looking everywhere for you. Though a more measured response than I would have received in this situation, <laughs> Mary's words make it clear that Jesus has not been acting the way she thinks he should. She's disappointed, <coughs> feels disrespected, and frustrated. Make no mistake. No matter how calm she may sound, this is a mother chastising her thoughtless son for not acting properly toward his family. Which is true from what we can see in this story. Jesus didn't think about his family, though it's clear his decision to stay behind at the temple was intentional. He didn't consider his own safety, his parents' concern, or what the consequences of his choices might be. And if he did, Luke doesn't tell us about it. What we can see is how obviously 12-year-old, is how obviously 12 years old Jesus is here. Capable of complex decision-making, but with sporadic critical thinking. The one who was born the divine Christ child is fully human in this moment. You can even hear the preteen sass in Jesus' response to Mary. Why did you need to look for me? 
Didn't you know that I must be working for my father? And it would be easy to read Jesus' response in exactly that way, as a sassy, smart-alecky preteen. Parents, you all know how that voice sounds. But this is where the story changes. This is where we have to remind ourselves that just as Jesus was fully human, he was also fully divine. Just as the human part of him has forgotten to be nice and consider his parents' feelings, the divine part of him has responded wholeheartedly and perhaps for the first time to the calling of his heavenly father. In a complex tangle of humanity and divinity, Jesus responds to his mother with not sass or sarcasm, but with simple surprise. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? With these words, we can see the underlying tension in this story. Jesus has answered his father's call, but it's not the flesh and blood father standing before him in the temple. Instead, by staying behind, Jesus has responded to his heavenly parent and in doing so has dipped his toes into the role he'll take as, as an adult. Consider the foreshadowing here. This is not the last time Jesus will answer questions from the teachers of the law. Neither is it the last time he'll be in the temple. In this story, we get to see Jesus as he begins his journey into adulthood. He's coming to an awareness of his role in the world, which is, of course, a normal part of a 12-year-old's development. But as we know, Jesus' future will be unlike any other 12-year-old. The future that was promised to Mary before Jesus' birth is taking, is taking shape for the first time here. Despite his age, Despite his ability or inability to be good, despite his own level of understanding, Jesus has, even here at age 12, a higher calling he must serve. But did you notice how Luke ends this story? Verse 51 says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. That means that this story doesn't end with Jesus' newfound awareness of his calling as the Son of God. Although we don't have any other stories from his childhood, we know the man Jesus becomes. He didn't have this experience in the temple and automatically begin healing lepers and preaching to crowds of followers. No. Instead, like a normal 12-year-old, Jesus is taken home by his relieved parents to finish growing up. While his awareness of his calling is sparked here, Jesus is given the time and opportunity to be raised by parents who love him and who wouldn't stop looking until they found him. Divine or not, I'm convinced that that level of love and concern impacted Jesus and helped form him into the man and therefore the Savior he became. God didn't send a grown man ready to save the world. God sent an infant, completely dependent on others, who became a preteen who didn't always remember to be nice, then a teenager who might have struggled to learn his father's carpentry trade, and who finally grew into an adult. An adult who got tired, had a temper, loved others unconditionally, showed compassion, 
could be tough as nails and stood for those who wouldn't stand for him. Though the spark of his calling is clearly present here at 12, through the ending of this story, we can see that God, understanding Jesus' humanity, does not call him to his full purpose too early and does not expect too much from Jesus too soon. Instead, God lets the pieces come together as they needed to to create this unique individual we know as Jesus. The good news for us this morning is that God knows each of us just as well as God knows Jesus. Head to foot, God knows we're fully and only human. God knows that most of the time we struggle to be nice, not because we're struggling to understand our messianic identities, but rather we're more worried about ourselves than others. And God knows that despite most of us being older than 12, we can be as surly and sarcastic as any preteen. And yet God loves us, loves us so much that God continues to call us, continues to look for us, continues to want a deeper relationship with us. And this doesn't just happen once. No, God's calling and desire to be the source from which we live our lives is ongoing constantly developing and evolving as we grow into the people God created us to be. While we all carry our 12-year-old selves with us, no matter how old we get, God loves us so much that each day is an opportunity to think before we speak, to care about others more than ourselves, to be more thoughtful toward those we love, to show strangers simple kindness. Then when those things get too hard and that inner 12-year-old is winning the battle, God gives us places like this where we can come and be surrounded by people who are struggling. Where can we be supported by an extended family who's working to hear and follow God's calling? In this place, with these people, and through the love of a godly parent who never stops looking for us, we all have the chance to finish growing up. <clears throat> Amen.
now hear this benediction. Just as Joseph and Mary experienced with Joseph and just experienced with Jesus, and just as we experienced this morning, sometimes you just don't know what you're getting into. <laughs> Everyone be safe, be thoughtful of others, and love God. Go in peace. <laughs>